Women Who Rock, a podcast promoting female musicians and artists. Today, I am joined by Wollongong indie folk singer-songwriter Melanie April. Melanie, welcome to Women Who Rock. Hey, Matthew. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. It's good to hang out uh, online and have a chat. In the last episode, um, I spoke to Hannah Park and I learned all about the Art House Cafe. Yes. Um, she had just played a gig, which was great, but yeah. I think you might be the 2020 winner for gigs so far because you played two there quite recently. Two? Um, <laughs> oh, did you play on Friday and Saturday I saw on your mm, Facebook? I I, um, I have a friend that I perform with. We've been doing those COVID covers and I just promoted his, but, I mean, we could say we I played too. I mean, oh, I've, I I've, I've played okay. I've played gigs earlier in the year, but it feels like years and years ago. Yes, I've so actually had a crowd. Tell us a bit about because you mentioned that you're doing the covers. Mm. Um, tell us a bit about how it is to perform in front of a live audience when you've been performing to an iPhone for so long. I mean, I think at first I was so worried, like when I was recording that, you know, the feedback wouldn't be great or like, because I don't really interact with my Facebook crowd. It was only until recently that I got a little bit more courage and I went, you know what, like, this is a perfect opportunity to boost my my followers and people that, you know, might want to find out about me because, you know, I I was hopefully going to get a job this year, but it, it might not happen, you know. It seems like it's going to be a difficult task um, when more prospects are out there, but, um, I wasn't, I wasn't too sure about how I'd go musically, but now that I've had more time to kind of look at my music and I guess reflect on, on how I see myself, I've been able to just, yeah, put out some, some videos. And originally yeah, I was really like, Oh my God. But then I just stopped caring. And, um, I guess performing in front of a crowd, I went, oh, oh, I get feedback straight away. Like I don't get just a, a love react on Facebook. I get actual, you know, claps or, you know, even heckles. Not that anyone heckled me on Friday night, but um, <laughs> you get a bit more, you know, feedback from your audience. Was there, is it more nervous being in front of a crowd or being in front of your iPhone that gets kind of possibly streamed out to the world? I think there's more of an expectation for the performance to be of a higher standard when you have recorded it because you have an opportunity to continue and retake different, you know, recordings if you if you have the opportunity to. Um, I haven't actually had a chance to go live on Instagram or anything like that, but, you know, watching people on Isolade do covers or stuff like that, um, you can see that they have similar uh, ways that they navigate those issues. Say if they forgot the words to someone else's song, they'll just be like, you know what, I'll just go go on to the next song. Um, but when you're playing a two-hour gig, like 
some people walk in on the last couple of songs and they expect it to be as good as it was when you first started performing and that's when it gets a little bit hectic, especially as a singer-songwriter because with the covers, people know them and so if you fuck up, sorry, excuse my language. Um, no, perfectly if, fine. It's on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> if you stuff up, um, there's more of a reason to people for people to be like, oh, you could have done a better job. But that's just how I see it. Well, you've been playing loads of covers. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of the videos on your Facebook, um, doing covers with Marley Fox. So you played, uh, I saw Kasabian, did Lead Belly. I think there was an Adele cover. As yeah, well. Adele's one of my um one of my loves. <laughs> so these were COVID covers. Was it was it inspired by the lockdown that you wanted to be doing all these covers? Well, I saw like the COVID nineteen thing emerge, and Marley's always been posting videos, and he said, "Oh, I reckon we'd sound really good together. We should do a song." And I think originally it was just going to be Marley and Mel, and like. Um, we've actually put our name down for the folk festival in the Illawarra, so we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really know how it was going to go. I didn't expect us to con- keep going. I wasn't sure how long we'd be isolating for. There was times where I was like, oh, I don't know if you should be coming over, Marley. Like, I don't know whether we should be keeping, you know, one point five meter distance from each other when we're recording because. People might think that we're doing something wrong, but um, so far the reception's been pretty good and it's been nice just like, yeah, interacting with musicians because I guess that part of it's gone now that live music's kind of not around at the moment. And it's a bit of, I guess it's all kind of come as a very abrupt change because I know that like for teaching, everything's gone from being classroom teaching to being online in a, you know, a matter of weeks or something, and it's happened with music as well. So yeah. how, have you found, how have you found the abrupt transition and do you think it's kind of given you more like courage to jump in and do more stuff online using technology? To some extent. I think at first I was very like nervous and then I was getting good feedback and then that urged me to go a bit further into it, um, delve a bit more deeper, but then I guess – the more you push yourself, the more you 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 want yourself to do better the next time. So, I mean, I would love to always put out amazing covers, but you never you never know. You know, you might just flop one one week. Um, I know that sometimes Molly comes over and he's like, "Do you know the lyrics?" And I'm like, "Nah," <laughs> and we just wing it. But yeah, it's it's interesting because. Um, like I have friends who host comedy nights and they went online and it's like your audience, you have to put them on mute. So like how do you know that you're going to be doing a good performance because when you're a comedian, like you know you're a good comedian because people are laughing, but if you can't hear the people laughing, how do you, how do you like, how do you perform? Yeah, miss without that kind of immediate feedback. mm Exactly. I've definitely never done stand up, but I assume that would be maybe harder than than performing music because yeah. Yeah. without the I guess you need claps for music as well, but the the laughing is so integral to a stand up's it's kind of there like why they keep going because <laughs> people laugh at their jokes. 
So that must yeah. be. Yeah. I mean, with the whole like playing at a cafe and and doing a two hour set, like I I understand that maybe some people will come and they won't be there for the music. They'll be there just to talk with their friends. And so if they're not listening, I don't get too upset. <laughs> mm. um, but I, I like also like that is also part of the craft. Like if you if you're playing a gig and no one's paying attention, that's, I guess, the same equivalent. In your videos, you also have a golden retriever. Is it Albie? <laughs> it's Albie. He's sleeping on his bed. I've yeah. made a little nest. He, he's been snoring. I'm like, I hope he sometimes he gets woken by the neighbor's sensor light and he likes to bark and it's very unsettling. But um, so far, so good. Yeah, that's not really a question. It's more just me making a comment that I've been enjoying seeing the, the videos with the golden retriever in it. <laughs> Yeah, he's a good dog. He's a good and dog. That's probably something you can't do at the art house cafe. Although oh, it seems pretty cool dogs. there. Yeah, no, you can bring dogs, but um, Albie's not so social, unfortunately. He just oh right, okay. Get, he likes to be the center of attention. So if there's a puppy, he won't be happy. <laughs> so I guess we've spoken about the impact of the lockdown on the way that you use technology to show mm-hmm. your songs, yep. but I'm also interested in the songwriting process as well. Mm-hmm. Have you? Do you think that lockdown has been conducive to your creativity? It's a hard question because I feel like I've, I've had things on the back burner for so long and the list has just gotten longer and longer. And as I was saying, like my goal this year was to get a job and rah, rah, rah. And so... I was like, for the first month of lockdown, I was like smashing out my LinkedIn profile. I was updating my resume. I was like, yeah, I'm going to like come out of this with a job hopefully. And then, you know, people are all losing their jobs and I'm like, maybe not. But um, the whole creative process has been a bit all over the place because I think being back at home, like I've, I've been home the whole time, but being at home, I I get very like, I don't know. I get a lot of mind, like writer's block, I suppose, because I I think my room's a mess. And so I can't really think straight. And um, I've got family that like to, you know, maybe have a a little, a little um, listen to when I'm performing and stuff. And they'll always make comments. So I'm very like to myself. I think being in transit, like, I think my mind works better when I'm at a gig in a way because I can hear other people's things and kind of chop and change and then we'll be like, oh, that's an interesting concept. Maybe I'll do something similar with a different song or just going and listening to live music. I, feel, I find that a bit more, I guess, helpful um, in motivating me in the songwriting process, whereas being at home, like it's been cool seeing how artists are releasing tracks and trying to support the music scene, um, especially with support act and stuff like that. But I think creatively, like creatively, I haven't changed too much. Okay, and so it seems like you kind of feed off other live performances in terms of yeah. Getting I mean, I I have a very artistic family, but it's all very chaotic. I can't really find any clarity. <laughs> okay. 
I um I inter- when I interviewed Lisa Caruso, she said something which I had never thought about. She said that a lot of people were kind of asking her, you know, if you've been locked down, is it helpful for your creativity? And she said something that more along the lines that now that because we can't go outside and there's people have more time, there's almost more of a like expectation. Yeah. That you're going to be creating and that can actually weigh on you do you feel that you've had that thought as well a little bit and like um I bumped into a couple of friends and I know that they do music and I was like well how's it all going and they're like well I haven't been doing anything they just haven't and like fair enough I guess in a way you just need to look after yourself and if you feel the expectation to be creating stuff then it, it's not worth it. Like I think you should want to be creative and if you're feeling like it's you should be doing it instead of you want to be doing it, that's that's not something that should take priority, I guess. Mm, and I feel as though it's maybe highlighted in a very extreme way or kind of like put a magnifying glass on the idea that people work in very different ways. Mm. And so maybe for someone – being at home is making them do heaps of stuff feverishly whereas for others that's just kind of not the approach and maybe the lockdown is is missing or blocking out something that they need to help them write or to to create anything yeah well it's 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 definitely been a challenge for a lot of people like I guess moving home or having to let go of certain equipment maybe um, having to find a different job to sustain yourself like there's other things that have to be prioritized and maybe being creative. Yeah. It has to be back on the back burner. I would like to listen to some of your music. Yes. Let's do it. Let's listen to a track. Uh, a Melanie April track. This one is called Thunder.
glistening of the frost And oh, the forests that swallow Everything with all the fall that comes with reach With the fall that comes with reach With the stones that crumble from the wall As these pebbles pelt up Growing sore it all came to me was Thunder by Melanie April. That was an original track. We were speaking earlier about the covers that you've been doing during the lockdown and it's been quite an eclectic mixture. We spoke about you've been playing some kind of old blues. There was a track by Adele Kasabian. So it seems like you're drawing on quite a lot of inspiration during the lockdown. In terms of writing your original music, can you tell us a bit about how your idea or I guess the main genre that you're operating in has transitioned over the past maybe three years? Three years, yeah. I, th- I think definitely like pre-teens was very much like I'm, I'm going straight to my pre-teens. That wasn't three years ago. Um, okay. <laughs> but like, I was very much inspired by like Gwen Stefani and Pink and then moved into um, – just singer-songwriters was such a big thing. Like I remember just going to school every morning and having my my MP3 in and listening to so many, like, do you remember like Coastal Chill? There was like a compilation album and it had just like all these very, very chill acoustic artists like Josh Pike, Paul Dempsey, um, Sarah Blasco, um, like Holly Throsby, all these like, really 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 talented singer songwriters mostly from australia mainly australian ones yeah yeah and i just remember being so inspired by that but then i kind of um had a bit of a pop phase i love like marina and the diamonds um leanne la havas neo um recently a bit more like mitski and um saint vincent but i've definitely like become a bit more americanized i suppose but um i mean I was in Japan last year and I got to go to Fuji Rock and that was really cool. Like I got to see, um, I think it was Okotobi Beaver. I always get the name wrong. Um, and I got to see Chai and I, I saw all these really cool like female fronted bands. And and that's really cool too. Like um, I think punk in the last three years, I think like, yeah, punk and indie um, have dominated only because I was in Friday Park, the, um, six-piece girl band um, in Wollongong, and I think that definitely was a catalyst in in where I wanted to see myself as a musician. Do you think that going forward you'll be working more in that kind of indie, I guess, indie rock? 
space? I think so. I think so because I I love I love R and B and I love neo soul and I love like hip hop and stuff like that. But I think it it's definitely for a certain artist, and I don't know whether I should you know be in that type of genre in a way because I know that it's black music like culturally um has been um dominated and created by black artists and I don't know whether I should take that like it feels like I'm taking it from them in a way um because it's it's very much tied to their cultural identity and I mean there's no doubt that punk's also been influenced by black culture but I I know that I wasn't feeling so comfortable singing those kind of songs like I sing summertime um when I'm performing um and I still feel a bit weird when I sing that song because it's like I suppose a little bit of a reflection of African-American culture um but yeah back to the current Mel wanting to do um just punk music yeah I think being in Wollongong has definitely influenced that like we've got yours and ours and they're kind of pushing a certain sound with their label um and the festivals that they run like Farmer in the Owl um they've coordinated a lot of lineups that are kind of the sound that I would like to use in my music going forward so yeah it's it's been an interesting time because I guess Growing up, a lot of people have kind of just put me in the singer-songwriter category and as much as I do love the songs that I've got up on my unearthed and stuff, um, being in a band like Friday Park and um, being pushed musically, um, I don't really want to categorise myself, I say. It's interesting that you say that kind of Japan was maybe part of that, going to Japan and watching music. I've heard mm. I've never been to Japan but I've heard that there's a really big appreciation for rock music there. Yeah. I know that um, the White Stripes, I think one of the first tours they did was to Japan. Yeah, uh, I feel which... like every every band's just got it on their tour list. Mm. I was going to say. Like, the actual audiences, like I think even I, I saw The Cure when I was in at Fuji Rock and it was just like we love performing here because like you kind of, like pay attention, <laughs> like they just kind of are very immersed in what they're listening to, but they're also quite interactive, which I like. Okay. There's a band, there's a garage rock band, uh, which is all female. It's a three-piece, I'm pretty sure, called the Five Six Seven Eights. I think Have I've heard, heard of them. them. Yeah. Yeah, they're really good. I think you would dig them. Hmm. Yeah. Particularly if you're if you're sort of drifting towards the punk end of rock music. Yeah. I um I kind of went through a pretty big punk phase when I was about your age as well, I think. Um, what is it that's drawing you to the punk side of rock? They're just very just in your face, I guess. And, the, and, and it is like a popular genre in Wollongong, so I guess that plays into it as well. But um, just people who perform that genre are really like cool live as well. Like it's – it's very much a visual thing as well. Mm, I, I think it's really cool to hear that you're kind of getting that from the from the Wollongong scene, that that's really having an impact on um, like the musicians in your backyard are having a real impact on the way that you want to perform and the music that you want to write. 
it's time for Tell Me a Thing, where I have a list of topics and I ask you to choose one. The topics are musical equipment, recording equipment, poetry, Patti Smith, punk rock, death, and politics. So, Melanie, can you please tell me a thing? So, uh, ants have this parasite that can kind of turn them into a zombie and create like their abdomen becomes like this really bright red and it looks as if it's like a berry or something and a bird will eat it and kill it, like kill the ant and then, you know, the whole, not reproductive system, the whole digestive system and then like poo out the parasite and then the parasite will go into another ant and and kill the ant. This is such a good tell me a thing. <laughs> I was like, I know a little bit about death, but like I don't know what's specific. Like, I, can't I, don't remember, remember. I can't remember if you actually said you were choosing death, but that's fine. We're gonna keep going. Okay. I don't completely understand what you just said. Okay. <laughs> you said that an ant can go like a zombie? Yeah, there's like a parasite that kind of like takes over its body and then can oh, like I see. Okay. make its body into a berry. And so then the bird eats the ant and the ant does ultimately die, but the parasite doesn't. No. Yes. Yes, the parasite will, um, I guess, I, I thought maybe the parasite would take over the bird's body, but it doesn't work like that. But it's too um, big maybe. Yeah, but it's very much like a leech, I suppose. Like it will just drop off and then find another body. This is very like a a literal story about a parasite. Um, have you seen the movie Parasite? I have. It's really and good. And I really liked it. Yeah, and no, I liked it too. I like um, my partner at the moment. He um, loves like the A24 film company and every time we go and we sit and we watch a movie, it's always by that one company. And I'm just like, <laughs> like I couldn't do Midsummer. Midsummer like scared me a little bit. Um, I was in Sweden a couple of years ago and like just knowing the people in Sweden, I'm like that that could be possible. Like that can happen. They're like a little bit, um, I guess, I don't know, like they're not very Australian. <laughs> they don't say hi to each other on the street, so I wouldn't be surprised sure. if they had like a cult or something um, somewhere in the, in the depths. Yeah, something in the somewhere in the depths of Sweden, midsummer. But um, yeah, I really liked Parasite. It was such a cool film. I um, it's not related to ants, but the thing that I loved about Parasite was that at the start you think you know who the parasite is. And then mm. at the end, you don't know who the real parasite is. Mm. It really makes you think, right? <laughs> I just like I I can I can watch a film with subtitles. Like I grew up with anime and stuff like that. So um, I think yeah, like because some people are so against that. I think Trump or something. Something was just like, oh, like Korea won a movie like an Oscar or whatever. Oh, that's so bad. It's like, yeah, you just aren't cultured, mate. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was kind of passing judgment on a film which is actually about the extreme class-defied 
that means that poor people have a very bad time, but the rich people don't know about that because they don't realize. And he was commenting on the film without really knowing what it's about. Yeah. It's delicious. It's, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. It's pretty funny. I think that in terms of the segment in this podcast, we've covered the more ground in this than we ever have. So oh, you nailed it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, Melanie, thank you so much for coming on to SCR Women Who Rock. It's really been great having a chat. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a, a lovely um, time just getting to share a little bit more about myself. Well, yeah, I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Matt. And the glistening of the frost And all oh, the forests that swallow everything Women Who Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of 2SER 107.3. Stones that crumble from the wall as these pebbles pelt up, growing sore it all came to me.